welcome to today's Fast Track episode of The Growth Zone. My name is Christian Bartsch and these episodes provide you with a focused mind-feeding topic. You can use it to have some new ideas to guide you through the day. Let's get started on today's topic. So in today's episode, we are going to look into following topic, and that is how to use your funds to scale your financial capabilities versus using a savings account. So as I said in a previous episode, um, if you're starting out in investment and trying to build up a financial backup or a capability that you can invest in things like stocks and other kind of things you have to first build up your financial assets you need money and in most cases people usually start with small amounts of money because they have small savings they have a, a few hundred dollars of amounts they can save maybe they have a few thousand maybe ten thousand or so that they can use and that's the key thing you have to start small and you have to start smart which means you have to as well use that as an opportunity as well to learn how the stock market and all these other vehicles in the financial systems actually how they really work. So um, the ideal thing usually if you're starting out, most of people usually when they're kids or so, parents often open for them a savings account. That's the typical thing. You put money in and the money is collected. But in today's time, and that's the thing that's been there actually a situation for the last 10 years you don't really get any interest rate and the interest that you get is a joke um, for instance in some accounts in the uk you might get maybe one pence or two or three pence maybe interest per month which is a joke if you have three thousand pounds on that account the same thing would be in germany most accounts you don't get any real interest get a few cents it's a joke and 20 30 years ago you got a little bit more but it was still a joke just that most people just didn't know and they didn't care and they thought oh it's great money is increasing reality mustn't money wasn't really increasing not by interest rate increasing because you were putting more money into it which is a good thing in the first start because it gets you to be disciplined and start saving money but the thing is, the money at the same time loses value because, of course, we have devaluation. The ability of money to buy the same item loses. As example, when the euro was introduced, you could buy the day before, you could buy a Guinness for €7.95, I think. On the next day, just within 24 hours, the Guinness price in such pubs grew to a price of 8 euros. Of course, most people thought or even stayed the same. They only changed the currency sign. In fact, the price had doubled. In other items, prices didn't double straight away. For an example, you might have paid maybe for a Big Mac menu, maybe you might have paid for maybe seven or eight euros, or marks, I mean. 
And then once the euro was introduced, it maybe cost maybe five euros, four euros, and gradually increased. Because the thing is, even a big brand like McDonald's and Guinness and so on, everywhere the prices gradually increase. Whether it's shipping, it's transport, logistics, warehouse, services, and so on. The prices gradually increased. And as well because people, particularly in big companies, they are demanding higher salaries, uh, salary increases, the unions unionize and work every few years to increase the salaries by maybe 2%, 5%, 6%. And that's exactly what actually usually drives a hidden type of inflation because, of course, these people make more money. Eventually, the company makes less money. So what does it do? It either reduces the quality of the products or increases the price. And even if you go and say, okay, we increase the efficiency, increasing the efficiency means, of course, I need less work. So I can reduce stuff. Somebody loses their job eventually. Or we automate it to the degree that we meet far fewer people. In the end, the whole thing plays out at a self-leveling game. So, which means, of course, your money devaluates. So the money has to work. And having it in a savings account is the wrong way. I built several years ago a special software for managing um, portfolios uh, of people who have invested money in different kinds of companies and ventures, whether they had directly invented, invested into hotels or companies that produce something or into uh, farms, um, forests, and so on. And this software would then compare the profitability of the investment compared to putting the money in a savings account or an account where you get maybe for a certain time special extra interest because it's a high amount of money that you put in. And in good old times, sometimes it was a 50 game. Sometimes the venture won, sometimes the bank won. Today, the bank loses every time when we use the software to check our options. Every time. And when you think it, those are huge amounts of money. Now compared, you're just maybe putting a thousand dollars, two thousand pounds, three thousand euros in your account, whatever. If the big money is losing, your small money has lost even once you entered the idea in your mind to put the money in your savings account because the money is not working for you. It's working for the banks, but not for you. They're just keeping it for you. It's as if you would go and ask them, here, here's a box, my shoe box, and there I've got my money. Please store it in the back. It's, it's virtually the same game. Of course, in reality, the banks don't have boxes of shoes in the back in their storage filled with money. They have it a different way. Nevertheless, um, so if you realize now putting money in a savings account is an outdated uh, strategy, it is an outdated strategy. So what can you do? Funds as a beginner is the best thing to do because it's moderate, there's a moderate risk. And the key thing is how do actually funds work? So you have to imagine a fund is a financial instrument 
or a body, an investment body. And this, in this investment body, there are a few investment or fund managers. And these fund managers take the money that they've been given and they invest it in different kind of stock. So they do a certain kind of investment, certain kind of hedging and so on. And usually these funds will perform quite well because the businesses in normal situations are generating profits, um, handing out dividends and the share price is increasing in value. So your risks are quite low and you can do this in a moderate and easy way. And taking an example, for instance, one thing that I used to invest when I was 17 was in renter, inter-renter, euro-renter. These were funds that actually were managed by uh, managers who then would smartly put the money on different stocks and uh, build the value. And once a year, we would get a dividend. And directly after that day, the value of these fund papers would lose value exactly by the amount that they handed out. But the thing is, of course, as you hold these papers, the next year, it's back at the same old level until, of course, you get a dividend. But what happens with this game? So you, it is like a paper where every year you get 10 euros and the value increases again by these 10 euros that we got out. So as you increase your amount of papers, you get, of course, 10 euros multiplied by X on the day of dividend. And you can take that money and reinvest it. You can either do it manually or some funds and banks allow you to say that you would like to have it reinvested automatically. You can do that however you like it. Um, of course, it's a slow small process where you have of course a slow return of investment but it's still a hundred times better than putting in a savings account and leaving it there to rot and to devalue so that's the best thing and you only have to worry about uh, the time when you decide you want to have the money back because of course uh, at a certain time when it has a certain value because after the dividends it drops and then over the next 12 months it gradually increases market value step by step until it reaches approximately the same level as the year before. That would be a typical scenario and that's how I knew it uh, as a youth and that's what I did for I think uh, four, four years I more or less built up my, my reserves in that way to eventually have 10,000. And then I started learning how to use my capital to invest in the stock market. So I didn't go crazy and say, okay, now I've had investments two weeks and now I go into the stocks and buy this shit and buy that stuff and then lose all my money. No, 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 no. Be smart, use your brain, start educating yourself, learn how it works, find out what companies are doing and as well look as well to understand what's affecting those companies it's not that that you go and look and see oh the stock is going up or going down and i buy that you have to first know what you're putting your money in yeah it's it's just the sensible thing but the strange thing is that often humans just don't do that they just ignore it yeah 
You take so much time when you're buying a car to check out all the different features and if the color likes you uh, or whether the, the, the car dealer is going to scam you and all these different things go in your head. But you go and switch off your brain and just put 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 dollars into some share that you haven't even got a clue if the stuff works or not works. Just because others says, hey, it's cool, it's great, you have to do that. Yeah, You know what? There's a saying, and you, maybe you know it, or you can Google it, false flag recruiting. Google that, false flag recruiting. Then you will understand what I'm referring to. Nevertheless, let's look back. So you more basically understand, okay, a fund is something, it's a body, we put our money in, the body uses our money, buys different kinds of stocks, hedges this, it hedges the risks, so it buys different kinds of shares, and if one share goes down, and then ones go up, eventually it's balancing of the risk. Because, of course, this fund might buy some shares in technology, some shares maybe in food, some shares in transport, some shares in other kind of industries. So they balance it all out. There are some funds that are more high risk and more aggressive, and they focus on certain rapid growth areas, for instance, technology. Certain kind of technology areas are high risk, and if you buy that kind of funds, you must recognize one key thing. The fund manager always gets paid, not you. So understand as well in what you're putting your money, even with funds. Educate yourself, read the brochures, go and research it, understand, read all the descriptions, understand as well the risks, all the different things are involved. And then when you've understood, make your pick, focus on that. The best thing is you can maybe focus on one or two funds. If you've got more assets, you can invest in three, but see, the smaller your investment capital that you've got, the higher your fees if you are totally diversifying. So it's, let's say you have $1,000. It would be absolutely stupid to go and buy 20 different kind of funds. The same thing would be applying for shares as well. Totally crazy. But if you have $1,000 and let's say you put $350 in fund number A, $350 in fund number B, and you decide, okay, I want to try out some stock, then you go and take the remaining amount and you buy a certain share. It can be some share from food and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've had stocks from, from all different companies and awesome companies that everybody knows. Whether it's been Coca-Cola, I've had McDonald's, I've had Oracle, Microsoft, um, at BMW, I've had different energy titles, different companies like Aeon, um, oh, so many, 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 many brands, all different kinds of companies. It's been absolutely interesting because every stock performs very differently. And eventually, once you are smarter and you understand more to look out for what are the opportunities, because certain stock are long-term, are the blue chips, there's a lower risk of everything going down. And then there are certain kind of stocks that are high risk. And these high risks are usually stocks that have, have high potential. But 
The key thing with those stocks, you have to have two abilities. One is cut your losses and get out of them straight away once you think, okay, it's going bad. And the second option is to stay put with them and wait. And me not waiting for a few weeks, you may be waiting for 10 years. And that's the thing. I've invested in some stocks that I eventually sold to my father at a certain point. And yeah, he eventually sold it for a good profit. And he was astonished. He said, that's strange stuff that you're buying there. And I didn't really, it didn't make any sense for me at that point. But later on, when I started looking into it, wow, that's so smart. And tripled his his investment. And that's the thing. We, we can't always win. I've put money as well in some stock where I lost money. Yeah, but the crazy thing is, often in life you lose more money at south of the stock than you lose in the stock market. But that kind of risk that is outside the stock and doesn't actually have to do anything with the stock market, I'll tell you in a later opportunity. But the key thing is you have to educate yourself and know what you're putting your money in. You can't go blindly. And the first thing you can't do, you do not gamble on the stock market. Everybody else who gambles on the stock market, they're easily seen by the big banks and the big investors. They see their orders, they see their amount, they know straight away you are, you could call it a rookie. I don't know. Somebody obviously doesn't know what they're doing and investing small amounts. And that's the key thing. Um, I'll be telling you as well in the next episode a little bit about uh, brokers as well, the different kinds of differences, market makers, and how different um, the price that you're paying for a asset, whether you're buying options, Forex, and all these things. There are quite some big differences. I'll be telling you about that and how you can understand and notice what are the real differences between a broker that's actually allowing you to go and direct access to the market or somebody who's actually making a lot of money without you knowing? And those are usually the market makers. I hope you enjoyed the Fast Track edition of today. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. The link is follow.prmediareach.com reach.com follow.prmediareach.com You can follow me also on Twitter by using the Twitter handle capbarch so it's spelled c-a-p-b-a-r-t-s-c-h or for those who are into sailing and uh, flying, Charlie, Alpha, Papa, Bravo, Alpha, Romeo, Tango, Sierra, Charlie, Hotel. Yes, that's C-A-P, Barge. See you soon or 
Hear you soon in the next episode. And please share as well this episode if you've enjoyed it and would like to let others have the opportunity to use that as well to get new ideas and insights. Mm -hmm.